everyone, and welcome to the Actors Podcast, a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news relevant to the CDI profession and actors. I'm Rebecca Hendren, the Director of Programming for Actors, and I'll be your host for today's show, which is part of our Talking CDI series. In every episode of this series, I'll be discussing CDI topics with guests, including members of the Actors Advisory Board or other experienced CDI leaders from around the country to discuss strategic topics related to the state of the industry, where CDI is going, or opportunities for advancement. Well, today's episode focuses on the recent release of updates to the seminal Actis and AHIMA Guidelines for Achieving a Compliant Query Practice, which was released for public comment on October 10th, and the public comment period ended October 25th. On today's program, I'm joined by the two representatives from Actis and AHIMA who led the work group of committed and experienced CDI professionals as they reviewed and updated the brief for 2022. With me today, I have Laurie Prescott, Actis's Interim Director and Director of CDI Education, and Tammy Coombs, AHIMA's Director of HIM Practice Excellence and CDI Nurse Planner. You can read Laurie and Tammy's full bios in the show notes for today's program. Welcome to the show, Laurie and Tammy. Thanks so much for having us. It's fun. Yes, happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining me to talk about the work that both of you led to update this esteemed document that guides everything that CDI professionals do. And before we talk about the 2022 updates, I'd like to ask you about the background as to why this guidance is so important to the industry. Laurie, would you like to get started? Sure. You know, I love that you're asking that question um, because coders and CDIs, we've been communicating to physicians, coders especially have been communicating with physicians via query for um, decades. Um, And queries queries are not only a tool to capture accuracy of a single record or encounter, but I think that they're a way that we educate and build relationships with our providers. And I think that's an important piece of the query process that sometimes we forget about And a way to develop that trust with the providers is making sure that we're performing that process of query compliantly and um, so that they can trust that that what we're doing is, is being a resource to them, a guiding resource to them. We don't want the provider to feel pressured. We don't want them to be, feel like we're leading them to a specific answer, or we don't want them to feel harassed throughout the process of query. And I think this document helps speak to how important it is to do this process correctly and respectfully to the physicians. So that, that to me is one of the most important important pieces of when we talk about compliant query practice is just how it helps us with that relationship with with our physicians. Compliance is so important. There's a number of investigations out there, you know, that nasty word OIG that is looking at how things are being done and, you know, that the fact that we're not pressuring or telling physicians what to do or how to document when it comes to a specific case and using this guidance to develop your organizational policies and your personal practice when it comes to queries helps you promote that 
right way of doing things, just like just like my dad taught us. We got to follow the rules. So that's what I think is important. And I was really excited to have a great partner like Tammy and Ahima working with us on this, um, so that what we created can be used industry wide. So I do thank you, Tammy, for uh, partnering partnering with us in this process. Oh. Thank you, Lori, and thank um, thank you for that, and thank you for the collaboration with Ahima. I think this was a wonderful effort with Ahima and Actus coming together on this valuable publication. I agree with everything you just said. We, we need to be that resource, that support to our providers. We know that the administrative burden is on the rise, and queries can be so daunting and it is vital for them to be compliant and this publication supports that effort. In addition to that, you know, there are ongoing challenges with our teams, our CDI teams, our coding teams, our query authors. Uh, we, we talk in this update um, about what a query, who a query author is and the different challenges um, that they can face as the healthcare industry continues to evolve. And this publication is vital to help them understand the compliance standards and having these ongoing updates help us stay on top of the needs of the industry. And we've and, and addressed the compliant components um, with those specific needs. We've come a long way from the paper queries that were put in the health records. As Lori and I have talked before, we both started out with those paper queries. Many of us had the bright yellow or the green, or there was a specific color because we wanted to get the provider's attention on the queries. Now we have technology um, that's continuing to grow. So the um, query process has evolved along with that. And so this publication, you know, is as we've as we've mentioned, it's vital out there to the industry for our query authors and those providers who are receiving the queries and updating that documentation. Absolutely. So what issues were you seeing um, that made it clear that in 2022 we needed to tackle a review and perhaps update the brief? What were those issues that brought that to our attention? Well, I, I would say one of the top issues that was brought to our attention was that technology piece. We have, we're seeing in the industry computer-generated queries. We have computer-assisted provider-physician documentation. Um, that's, that's huge. And what are those standards whenever a query is being developed through a computer? Maybe it is that computer-generated. Or how are CDI teams um, whenever they're assisting in the in this technology and the development of compliant processes, how does that all fit together? These were issues that were brought to our attention and definitely made it clear that it was time for an update um, to address some of those concerns, highlight some of those issues within the practice brief. We also had other um, opportunities, um, issues that the industry was bringing forward with um, the query practices, unable to determine um, using that as one of our options on multiple choice queries was becoming an area 
that was being interpreted by individuals and organizations differently, sometimes um, unable to determine was being translated out into an uncertain term, which was not the intent. And the continuum of care, um, we're seeing CDI, we've started inpatient, we've expanded into outpatient, different specialty areas. And so uh, with that, because we we have to start looking at how that documentation impacts the entire industry and how that query process may be seen throughout the continuum of care and really identifying those compliant components of sending a query no matter what setting that you're in. Um, and we're also seeing um, queries, uh, CDI efforts on the international stage. Um, so there's just all of these ongoing needs that were brought to our attention. And um, I know those were a lot of issues that came, you know, to, that were brought to my attention. And I think, Laura, you were hearing a lot of the same things um, that were being brought to your attention um, whenever we got together and started working on this update. Absolutely. I think, you know, the evolution of query practice, you know, I always giggle when when we talk about pen and paper queries, um, because it sounds like we were like, you know, actually carving them into stone, like the Ten Commandments, it seems so long ago. Um, but with technology, just the landscape has changed. Um, and it, it's important to make sure that documents like the Query Practice Brief evolve with the evolution of, of the um, processes that are happening and, and changing. So the, it's just, I think, important to make sure that the tool evolves so that it, it still is useful to, to the user. And, you know, I always wonder when we write something like this, you know, when you build it, will they come kind of thing? Are people going to appreciate it? And I just had a conversation with somebody this morning and she said, you know, I could tell that the writers of this took great effort to try to um, clearly define and state certain situations and, and make it kind of diminish those areas of interpretation or misinterpretation that have been happening around previous guidance. And when she said that, it kind of warmed my heart because I think that was one thing that we as a group, when we got together, that motivated every member of the group. How can we draft um, guidance that is, that is clearly um, that we're trying to diminish those areas of misinterpretation as much as possible. There's always going to be areas and we can work to further refine those. Um, but I think that was a goal of all of us is how to make a document that can be a useful tool in everyday practice. Um, and I just, when people send me comments like that and I have discussions like that, I feel like, yeah, we, we maybe succeeded there, which is um, makes the effort all the more worthwhile. So um, it's been it's been a great process, and my bet is it won't be long before we go through the process again um, because things are the landscape of CDI, the landscape of coding, the landscape of of reimbursement and documentation is changing rapidly, um, and we need to keep abreast so that our guidance still pertains to to the challenges that our members and are, are hitting every day. Absolutely. 
Um, when the committee began this review in 2022, were there any major stumbling blocks? You know, you talked about having to really uh, clarify a lot of uh, procedures, speak to specific scenarios. What were the stumbling blocks or any particularly contentious issues that you had to really discuss through? She wants to hear about those juicy I conversations, do. Tammy. What was difficult? <laughs> I don't know if there were any. Um, you know, I when I think about stumbling blocks, I don't think there were. We had a very motivated group of people working on it. And likely the biggest stumbling block was finding meeting times that we could all be available. Um, and I think everybody was very committed to do a good job. People were very, we, we started by um, taking different sections of the brief and different, um, sometimes it was a pair of people or an individual would rewrite that section. And then as a group, we met and, you know, tedious may not be the right word, but on a Friday afternoon, um, sometimes for over two hours, we would go over word by word, line by line, paragraph by paragraph together as a group. And I, do, I don't remember anything contentious. There were times when people would say, I'm not really comfortable with that. Here's why. And we would share our stories and our varied experience and look for those areas where things could be um, misinterpreted. So I don't remember anything really juicy happening. There were no fistfights. There was no um, contention. But I think that was because everybody was motivated with the same North Star about how they wanted to adapt the previous um, version of this. Do you remember any any contentious moments, Tammy? You know, I don't, uh, Lori. I, we had such a dedicated team. Um, like you said, I mean, we there was a lot of time and effort um, going through the document, like you said, line by line, word for word. And um, I think everybody was just so supportive of um, the focus on the intent of the publication and that there really wasn't those stumbling blocks per se, but a lot of really in-depth conversations around how could this statement be deciphered, interpreted by the industry? Is this clear enough for whoever is going to pick up this practice brief, um, whether they're brand new to the CDA process, you know, very seasoned and experienced in the process. Everybody was so aware of that. I think we were, you know, the whole group was very supportive of that. And whenever one of us would maybe just go um, way down um, a, a specific topic that may be taking us away from the intent, because as, you know, CDI professionals, we can, you know, overanalyze things into great detail and go off in a direction. And so we would bring each other back and stay focused on the intent of this publication. Uh, because we wanted it to really stay focused on that query process, those compliant components, and keep it very clear and as easy as possible to decipher because as CDI professionals, we don't want anything to be ambiguous. And um, so we were very focused on that. And um, we, you know, would get tickled because it, well, this might look a little ambiguous or is that specific enough? You know, those key words that we always look for in CDI. And um, I think, you know, we really had a great group to keep everybody focused and um, on task. And um, uh, I it was 
I think we were we were blessed with the group that we have and um, with the authors and, and then the peer review comments. And I know that the industry comments will provide, you know, great feedback as as well. We're um, the CDI industry, I think, is very supportive of each other and um, good to address issues, but not try to stumble, but clarify and streamline as best as possible. Absolutely. I love hearing about the care and attention that went into each word with this. So with that, Laurie, uh, Tammy, actually, do you want to start with telling us more about the updates that have been made to this 2022 edition? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted, I really am excited um, about the structure of the update itself. We um, took the the structure of it and changed it up a little bit, added in some query guidelines and um, had that kind of in an outline table format so it was easy to identify the topics of the um, guidance that we were discussing and then broke that out into specific topics. So um, readers will see this um, these guidelines. We've got general query conventions um, where we go through and try to define specific terms that we're hearing out in the industry and terms that we're using in the publication. Um, we've, we uh, developed some general query guidelines that um, walk through some of the components about the requirements of queries, when to, when not to query, and we address sending multiple queries because that's an issue that we hear from the industry um, on some parameters around how to compliantly send multiple queries. And then we dive into compliant query guidelines, walking through those multiple choice answers, um, addressing the non-leading statement. Um, we always address that, try to you, be as clear as possible on that. Uh, we address the titles of queries. Um, those titles that are that are facing the provider, they should not be leading. So really uh, diving into the details of what a leading versus non-leading query would look like. We also really dove into clinical indicators um, and the evidence that is pulled from the health record to support clinical indicators um, and when they should be used um, and um, and you know, and when to uh, uh, identify when you can or cannot use uncertain diagnoses in a query. That's something that we're already receiving some feedback around. We use the word avoid in there. I think we may have to go back and take a look at that. But we we um, wanted to address uncertain diagnoses and whenever they should be included in a query um, and that really those shouldn't be the norm. Um, so, and then we also, as mentioned earlier, we have a technology section and um, went through the entire brief to identify any updates needed within each section. Like we did some updates around um, including information from, from previous episodes to make sure that what we were providing meets the needs of the industry where we are right now. So that's kind of a, a high level overview of some of the updates that, that have been made in the publication. And I'm sure, Laura, you probably have um, some to, to add to that that I didn't think to include. 
<laughs> well, I think the whole process has been changed too. The the opening up for industry comments, we're in that comment period now. Um, that's in the past we've had peer reviews, but we have not necessarily opened the doors wide for people to give us feedback. And I think um, that process once it concludes, you know, the members of the group are already asking, when are we going to get together? When are we going to see what people have to say? Um, and reviewing what those comments are and making changes so that we can finalize this and give give the industry a, a tool that's effective and useful to them. So I, I think even the process of how we did it this time um, is going to help us build a stronger document. The other piece, again, is just that attention to detail. We tried very hard to not leave um, the wording, uh, not right wording that's allowed to be misinterpreted. That said, we're sure it's going to happen because um, any kind of guidance is like that. But, um, you know, one learning lesson for me through this process was I did not thoroughly understand how the payers were using previous guidance almost as a weapon um, to support denials and using the wording that was written in the previous guidance to support clinical validation denials by saying, you know, the query was not written compliantly because you didn't follow the direction within the brief. Um, that that those statements um, from the group and understanding how rampant that had been happening in the industry was something that I did not, I hadn't really wrapped my brain around before we started having conversations. And I think that motivated us again to try to write as clearly as possible and to, to try to, to, minimize that ambiguity and the industry remarks that we're going to start reviewing um, very shortly hopefully will help us identify where some of those areas still exist so that we can provide people with a tool that's not being used one a guiding tool to help them in their daily function but also a tool that isn't being used against them because of those ambiguous statements that can be um misinterpreted. I just really said the payer industry was evil in that those sentences. So, um, but I, I do think they've been using it as a weapon. So hopefully we've um, minimized that destruction that they can do. And I think it's been important for all of you on the committee to come together and, and look at that together to analyze how you can improve this document. Uh, the public comment period has only just closed. And I know that you now need to take the time to go back and review the comments um, and evaluate what final document will be published. But I did want to ask, so far, you know, it has been out for a couple of weeks now. Um, you jointly presented on this topic at the AHIMA National Conference that was earlier in October. So what is the public reception been when you've been talking with people? I think overall the reception's been very positive. I mean, people people want to do what's right and query query practice and query guidance. I don't think a day goes by that someone is not asking me a question about compliant query practice. So, um, you know, providing them with a document that can help 
and answer those questions that they can use to teach with, that they can use to develop their own policies with at their organization. I think people are eager for that guidance. Um, you know, Tammy mentioned that we we tend to have in CDI encoding that attention to detail, that fixation on making sure all the details are clear. Um, most people that I work with in CDI encoding also have a have a huge desire to do things right, you know, do it the right way, make sure that we're doing things compliantly. So um, I, I've owned, I've, you know, people have given us sent critiques, but in every conversation I've had, people have been very eager to take this advice and, and look at their own practice, their own organizations, policies and practices and see where they need uh, to provide improvement. So I felt um, a very positive uh, upsurge. And what I get excited about is that that's making more people focus on their query practice. So, you know, it's not just what's happened in the two weeks since people have started to read it, but in the coming months when people take that guidance and use that guidance effectively at their organizations, um, it's going to be exciting to see that refocus on queries. Because I think sometimes, you know, we just make the donuts and we think we're doing everything right. And this is going to give us a, a little push to, to look exactly at what we're doing. So I'm, I'm, I've been excited about the feedback. Mm -hmm. Oh, me too, Lori. I, you know, overall, I agree. The comments um, that I've heard so far has been positive. I think everybody has really appreciated the efforts that we've taken, as you mentioned earlier, Lori, in trying to ensure we obtain feedback from everybody. Um, we're trying to give everybody in the industry a voice. We had, um, you know, the, the peer review process, a lot of valuable feedback. And now we're having the industry feedback and that's our first time in having op opening up this comment period for two weeks after the release of the publication. And people appreciate that. And so I think that's opening up the transparency of the efforts that we're taking to um, ensure that we've addressed all of these compliant components. And so I look forward to reviewing all of these comments. Um, I have heard a few suggestions about a few of the topics in there that we can clarify a little bit more. Um, so I will be interested to see what suggestions the industry has brought forward. Because there were a couple of areas where, I mean, we could spend uh, quite a bit of time um, during one of our meetings just on one little area to try to make sure we're getting it clear. And we were like, I think this is clear, but I think this feedback from the industry will help us identify those certain um, areas that may be misinterpreted and help us get it where it needs to be to be as supportive as possible for the industry. And yeah, um, I think this, this update is really going to help organizations, um, uh, the hospitals, clinics, anybody who has, you know, a CDI program there, uh, reviewing health records to those payers, to um, 
anybody within the industry that's impacted by documentation integrity and receiving queries or part of that query process have a better understanding of those compliant components and help develop policies that truly support that compliant query practice. That way, the query authors out there get the support that they need. They have a clear understanding of the direction they need to take with those queries. And we help our providers as we um, started the, the conversation, Lori pointed out, helping our providers because that's what we're there for is to be a resource to providers and understanding these uh, components of clinical documentation, how it's translated out accurately, how to understand these queries and respond. So we have, we an accurate representation of that clinical picture. And that's that's our goal, to make sure everything is clear and accurate and we follow those compliance standards and all that we do. Well, we appreciate that you do keep that as your goal. And I want to thank you so much, Laurie and Tammy. I know how much hard work went into the updating of this document. I was on many of those calls with the conversations and it was a lot of effort, a lot of time. Um, so I want to thank you both, along with all the members of the committee, for dedicating yourselves to updating this vital document. I look forward to reading the final published version once the committee has finished its review. So thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Now it's time for the ACTIS update, a regular segment featuring the latest news on what's going on inside the association. There is still time to participate in Actus's annual CDI salary survey, which is open until Monday, October 31st. Every year, roughly a thousand CDI professionals answer the call and help paint the picture of the state of CDI compensation in the current year. In the past, Actus members have used the resulting data to advocate for CDI career ladders, higher salaries, better budgets for CDI education, and more. The survey should only take about five minutes to complete and the results will be shared in aggregate in early 2023. The survey responses always remain entirely anonymous, so please know we take your privacy on this sensitive topic very seriously. You can respond to the survey today by using the link in the show notes. Also, now is the time to apply for the 2022-2023 Actus CDI Scholarship Program. The application period is open until November 30th, Launched in 2019, the Active Scholarship Program exists to assist CDI professionals in enhancing their careers with further education and to increase collaboration among their colleagues by sharing knowledge. In the past, Actus has awarded three scholarships each year. This year, we are adding a fourth scholarship named in honor of our friend and colleague, Melissa Varnavis, whose untimely passing this year left a hole in the entire Actus community. A large part of Melissa's role was planning the national conference, and her joy and effervescence brought life and light to the event to the to this event each year. In her memory, Agnes is going to award a scholarship conference registration each year. So the four scholarship opportunities this year are going to be: firstly, the introduction to CDI scholarship. This is a one-year Agnes membership plus enrollment in the Agnes CDI apprenticeship program. We also have the Professional Development Scholarship. This is registration to an online CDI bootcamp of the recipient's choice. We also have the Outpatient CDI Scholarship, which is registration to the Actus Symposium Outpatient CDI. And finally, we have the Melissa Varnavis Scholarship, which is registration to the Actus National Conference. 
More details about eligibility, the application process, and more can be found on the ACTIS website. And you can find a link to the application in today's show notes. And this brings us to the end of today's ACTIS podcast episode. As always, if our audience has any questions about any of these topics, you can feel free to email the ACTIS team at actis-inquiries at simplifycompliance.com. We'll also put that address in today's show notes so you can grab it from there. Once again, it's actis-inquiries at simplifycompliance.com. We'll be back in two weeks on Wednesday, November 9th, where Actis editor and product coordinator Carla Ricorto will be discussing professional development and lifelong learning in CDI for our next show, which is part of the Conversations with Carla series. You can listen to the show anytime on the Actis website or via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. All the links we discussed during today's episode will be available in the show notes. And as always, we'd appreciate if you take a minute to leave us a five-star review on your podcast app to help others find our show. Our intro and outro music is Media Noche by D. Yan Key. And our ad music is Take Me Higher by Jazzar, both obtained from the free music archive. If you have any suggestions, future guests or topics, please email us at actors-inquiries at simplifycompliance.com. Until next time, take care, everyone.